Hello, Misa Jaja Binks, and this uh, uh, Liz Franks, and Wisa, uh, the Jaja Binks Pedophile Podcast. No, that doesn't work. I hate all of it. I just like don't like it. It's me. I have got a big frown on my face. I don't want to play the game. Uh, I don't want to play along. Just my ha- hands up. I'm yes. over it. Yes, your hands should be up because someone should be pointing a gun at you and taking handcuffs out of their little uh, officer belt and putting them on your arm or I guess your wrist and then putting you in a squad car and taking you to prison or actually jail where you'll await trial, be convicted of being a stick in the mud and then executed in front of thousands of Jar Jar Binks. I'm not a stick in the mud. I'm just sick you, of it. You're Everyone- a, you- they you just, are a stick you, in the mud. People have been trying to make Jar Jar a thing for the past five years, and I'm over it. It's like, I, yeah, you, we've already tried this. It was fine and funny the first time, and now I'm over it. Let's move on. Like, as a society. Misa apologize for my Misa co Misa co-host attitude, which is as usual very bad. So, uh, as an aquatic creature who smokes a little bit of kind budsa, uh, I am offended on Yusa's behalf for Liz's uh, behavior and actions and the way she talks. Has George Lucas ever been like, like said where he got the idea for that? Like, why did he do that? Liz, all right, so a little behind-the-scenes action here. I found out a few minutes ago that Liz did not know that Jar Jar Binks was based on Rastafarian <laughs> stereotypes. I didn't know that, yeah. She just thought it was like a crazy alien that George <laughs> Lucas came up with. I'm not making a joke here. She was just – she was baffled that he was a uh, a dope-smoking Rasta. I'm going to be honest. Have yeah. not seen or interacted with any kind of Star Wars culture since – I was a kid, so I have no. I really don't remember much of this. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Interesting that you say that, Liz. You and I met on a Star Wars online multiplayer role playing game in That's 2008, not. and we became fast Jedi c- buds, <laughs> Jedi comrades there, and we scoured the galaxy looking for Sith artifacts together. And you have no recollection of this. <sighs> Hello, everyone. Hi. Misa Brace Belden. <laughs> I'm Liz. We are, of course, as always, joined by our producer, Young Chomsky. And this is Trunon. The Gungan. Oh, my God. What is yes. that? The, the, he is a Gungan. That is his uh, uh, flavor. Is that a I wanted creature? to call it species. Yeah. The species of Rasta he is is Gungan. Mm. Um, and that's what this episode is going to be about. Liz and I are going to be dissecting the Star Wars prequels from beginning to end. Um, no, we are uh, we 
We have a tale of modern love to talk about here. And in fact, my original idea was that we were going to make this like a parody of the New York Times modern love thing, but it turned out none of us had ever interacted with that in any way and so had no idea I feel what like to you even have, base that off. Because you brought it up. I feel I, like well, you I it. know what it is, right? It's a you know, column. I, I didn't even know it was a podcast. Well, I knew it was a podcast. I think you listen okay. to a lot I, of New York Times podcasts. I, I don't think you no, I listen to the Michael Barbadoro podcast sometimes because I want to see what they're thinking. Well, we're being honest with each other. I have some questions for you, Brace. Just What's one question. Up? Yeah. Have you ever posted on Reddit? No. Uh, no. There it is. I haven't. Uh, the pause. I the pause. What? What? Okay. When you paused and went, uh, what was the? What were? What were you thinking of? That could uh, have perhaps, uh, you know, contradicted your previous statement. Well, so we ever see like a viral post of being like, uh, I found out that like. Me, I'm like a a, a left wing anime loving uh, guy who is a furry, and my wife I found out is having sex with a bunch of other guys. Like those like viral posts that you see, mm. I write all of those. Mm-mm. I ghostwrite every single fake relationship post that you see. I have thousands in my Rolodex. I also, yes, I run a few subreddits. I run the Red Scare subreddit. I run the Chapo <laughs> Trap House subreddit. I run the Cumtown subreddit. So sue me, okay? We're in the podcast business. Why, why does it matter if I interact with other podcasts? You don't like that, Liz? You think I'm going to stop doing our podcast instead just do the Cumtown subreddit <laughs> moderation for the rest of my life? Well, well maybe I said- like it. Maybe those people accept me more than you do. You said that this is today's tale is a tale of modern love. Mm-hmm. And like all tales of modern love. Yes. A lot of it is uh let's say of Reddit culture. Yes. It's it's one of those things that's like it's of Reddit even though it doesn't directly have to do with Reddit if that makes I, it sense. It might even predate Reddit. I, you I know don't what? know. We should have looked this what? up because we talked about this. No, but I don't want to look it up. I don't want to know anything about Reddit. So here yeah. it is. I have no idea when it started. And you know what? I'm not going to look it up, even though I'm talking about it right now. In fact, I would like to know what it ends. That yes, would be nice. Yeah. Today. They should get rid of it. Mm. Um, no, this is, uh, this is one of those things. And, and I, I want to be upfront with you guys here. There is no great revelation you're going to learn from this this podcast today. Mm. We are going to reveal no secrets. Uh, there is no... Uh, d- there's a little bit of, there's some deep politics going on, but not directly dealing with our protagonists here. Um, Maybe I'll reveal a secret. Yeah. Actually, and also there are no protagonists here. Yeah. What secret are you going to reveal? Well, people I better stay tuned. Secret. Yeah. Uh, this isn't in line with our dog fucker series, which is um, when unfortunately <laughs> I uh, uh, get get into reading about a freak. And so this is just another freak show we're doing today. Yeah, you got real into this. It was like a, just a couple, many moons ago when we were taking a little break. Yeah. Got a text from you that was like, oh, we got to do an episode about this Wikipedia guy. And I was Look like- Look at this freak. We're on a break. Why are you texting me? We have yeah. a strict no communication policy when we're, you know- We do? Taking time away. <laughs> oh, wait, did we not? Wait, is that why you don't respond to my text when I do that? <laughs> I didn't know. I, no, I'm serious. I didn't know that. Um, that's fine with me. But yeah, so this 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 is just a regular freak show. I mean, there's you know there's some. This has to do with politics. In fact, this has to do with some politics that are happening right this very moment. Well, let's get into it. So, who are we talking yes. about? We're talking about the kidnapping of Joshua Boyle, which is you don't want that as your last name. That's like being named Larry Wart. 
and uh, Caitlin Coleman. And again, you don't want that it's as your last Coleman. name. Coleman. If just you're Coleman. a woman, it should be Caitlin Cole Woman. If your last name has like man at the end of it, and you're a woman, mm. that your version of that should have woman at the end of it. You know, she spells her name with an A too, which I found very interesting. Caitlin, C A I T L A N, Caitlin. Oh, Caitlin Coleman. Yeah. yeah I mean, is- it's pronounced Caitlin, but Caitlin. Caitlin. Yeah, you can actually pronounce it any way you'd like, but no, noted. Um, and let's start with Joshua Boyle here. So, so the broad strokes of it is these two people were kidnapped by the well, not by the Taliban, by the Haqqani Network in uh, in 2012, and then finally rescued in 2017. Brace just put did air quotes around rescued. By the way, I feel like I uh, I feel like I made that clear with the way that I enunciated that word rescued. Instead of if I would be like these, they were rescued. I did a little soy face eyebrow there too. <laughs> they were rescued. I don't. Is that my soy face voice? Um, I uh, and and brought back to well, Canada and America respectively. And uh, that's that's just sort of the beginning, the broad strokes of the story. But it's really mm. the finer brushwork that that really gives a uh, hint as to the character of these two startling individual. So let's start with Joshua Boyle. Liz, what is a Mennonite? So do you know those like trad accounts on Twitter? Yes. <laughs> those people are not Mennonites, have mm-hmm. no idea what Mennonites are, but have some fantasy that Mennonites are just like, I don't know, into um, you know, women in the kitchen and yeah. women can't read. And somehow this is like uh, based and cool. Or something. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're kind of like uh, they're like the Amish, except that he can like go to New York once a yeah. They're like a like soft Amish. Months. Yeah, they're soft Amish. Yeah. Like they're not. I mean, again, you know, if you're Amish and listening to this, well, you should feel ashamed of yourself. If you're Mennonite and listening to this, well, you should make sure your hair's up and underneath the little napkin that you put it <laughs> under. But they're kind of like, yeah, they're like Amish. They can use a little more technology than the Amish. They're not of the same exact religious descendant as the Amish. Uh, but, but you know, for all intents and purposes, let's call them Amish. So Joshua Boyle is from a place called Smith Falls in Canada, which is in eastern Ontario. It's a teeny little town. His father's a tax court judge, and he was, ding, 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 homeschooled for the beginning mm. of his life. Uh, he went to a Christian high school and then I think to a Christian college and then moves to Toronto to get really into what I think was his true calling in his early years, which is much, very similar to Liz's, editing Wikipedia. Yeah, he gets really, really into Wikipedia. This is, I mean, he starts uh, he starts in Wikipedia like most young men by focusing on Star Wars. Yes, his the, his very first is Star Wars, right? Yeah, he yeah, yeah, yeah. The first Wikipedia article that he creates is about the Turkish reboot of Star Wars, which I looked up and actually the English translation of the title is The Man Who Saves the World, which is odd. Well, but it's just like known as the Turkish Star Wars, I guess. Young yeah. Chomsky is nodding like he knows this. Is this a thing that people You've know? You've heard about? of this, Young Chomsky? Everybody knows about Turkish Star Wars. Oh I did not God. know about Turkish Star Wars. I know about Jamaican Star Wars, but not not <laughs> Turkish Star Wars. I, I was not familiar with that. So Josh was like tw- about 21 at this mm-hmm. time. And it seems like, you know, he's like, oh, I'm just focusing on Star Wars. I'm just kind of like nerdy guy. I'm Wikipedia guy. I'm, you know, a little like I'm homeschooled. I don't know much stuff. And then he gets into some different stuff. Yeah, listen, okay, 
a much hay has been made of Joshua's prolific editing of Nazis' Wikipedia pages. <laughs> and I want to be clear here. Lots of young men get very interested in maybe the some of the bad guys of World War II because they are, you know, they're, they're the villains. And maybe he, you know, he likes Star Wars, maybe he likes the Empire. Who knows? But he edits a lot of uh, of Nazis' Wikipedia pages. He has some... Um, Different protracted long fights over whether to include three different photos of Goebbels' five dead children on uh, the Wikipedia page dedicated to their death. Um, he says they are important photos to show, uh, in parentheses, peaceful, unmutilated corpses of five children, no different than many other articles. The fact that, oh my God, they're cute children who never hurt anybody is completely irrelevant from a neutral and academic standpoint. Okay, wait, pause. I want to just point something out because we're talking about – I mentioned Reddit. I mentioned Star Wars. We're talking Wikipedia. Yeah. This kind of – I'm going to reread that quote in my most like this guy voice Mm -hmm. and tell me if it sounds familiar. They are important photos to show peaceful, unmutilated, corpses of five children, no different than any other articles. The fact – Oh my God, they are cute children who never hurt anybody. It's completely irrelevant from a neutral and academic standpoint. Yeah, this is really good. This is that. Yeah. Okay, so this guy has evolved to YouTube guy. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. If he was around right now, he would have like a like 12 viewer Twitch channel where he would try to debate, I, I don't know, other yeah. 12 or like 200 viewer Twitch channels. Absolutely 100%. Although I got to say his dedication to being this much of a nerd, I would still suspect he'd spend much time on a bunch of time on Reddit and Wikipedia. No. We are not confirmed that he was ever a Redditor, but this is the spirit of it Look, is vibe. within him. It's a vibe. We're exactly. talking a vibe. Catch a vibe. You know what? He's, he's caught it. and he's, he's living it. He's dying of it, actually. Uh, he also at one point edits a article on the pair of anguish. And no, that's not a pair that you bought that was a little overripe and made your tummy hurt. It's apparently a semi-mythical torture device that is most likely a misidentified speculum, which um, according to the number one uh, anti-OBGYN activist in the United States, they're all torture devices. God should just work out all that stuff on his oh own. God. Talk about ladies. Um He added with no attribution that Actually, Liz, could you read this quote as well? Mm. Homosexuals would suffer the same fate on their anus. Why are you making me read this? Uh, why do you? Because you have uh, finished reading it, please. Okay. Homosexuals would suffer the same fate on their anus, and women who had induced a mar- miscarriage or been accused of witchcraft and carnal knowledge of demons would see their vaginas torn apart by it. Uh, so this I thing probably, this. I know. And the thing is no attribution, which, and not to be a Wikipedia guy here, but you can't just be like, yeah, they also use this on hoes that had sex with Beelzebub. Yeah. You know, well, you gotta, again, I haven't looked this up, but I'm just going to say this is early Wikipedia. Yeah, it was, it was. And so a little bit of a wild west. Uh, he moves on and starts really getting into, uh, editing, let's say nine 11 related content. He oh, actually, yeah. I believe, made the Wikipedia page for Muhammad Atta's uh, car, his yeah. Nissan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he at one point was the number one editor. I think he actually still is the number one editor of a guy named Omar Khadr's Wikipedia, which is, uh, uh, we'll get to that a little more in a second. And so I think we should, it, 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 it's, it would serve us to talk a second about the mind of the Wikipedia editor. 
because there's a guy named Stephen Pruitt. If you don't know who he is, I think he is the most prolific editor on Wikipedia. Look this fucking creature up and then tell me that that guy is not exactly who you picture making all these little edits. Wikipedia is a strange fucking place. There are all these schisms and different ideas of how it should be done. And there's people who want to delete a bunch of stuff and people want to add too much stuff. Uh, And my whole thing is, whatever happened to Britannica? You know, whatever did get happen a, to it? Get a forty volume set. People used to go and have to sell those door to door. Now you can't do that anymore. Although there are devices that they sell in airplane catalogs that are just basically Kindles for old people that only connect to Wikipedia. Wait, really? Yeah. What do you mean? Wait, they sell them on airplane. What do you mean? You know, like Sky Mall. Oh, Sky Mall. Oh, I love yeah, a Sky yeah, Mall. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if they make. Sky I have Mall not anymore. seen a Sky Mall in a long time. I don't really go into the pocket much. Really? I take barf bags a it, lot. It depends. It depends on like if if we're sitting on that runway, uh-huh. that runway. Oh, I'm going in the pocket. I'm seeing <laughs> I'm what's going up. to the cockpit. I'm taking that motherfucker. If we're sitting on that runway, brother, we're heading straight to the Pentagon. I'm getting in that cockpit one way or the other. All right. So he also, um, let's say, had been telling people that his job that he most wanted was to become a member of the Canadian intelligence services particularly this is a vibe exactly particularly the canadian security intelligence services their foremost intelligence uh national intelligence agency and he's also liz you're never going to believe this he's into online gaming well okay so i mean i think that we this is a type Mm -hmm. and it's a type that this is your type yeah (laughs) no this is not my type uh, and if this is our listener's type and you uh, see yourself in this type, then perhaps you should change some things. Mm-hmm. Oh, and or we're not we're not talking about you. <laughs> Wait, I do want to say you put this little detail in the notes uh-huh. and I'm going to read this quote because I want to perhaps we might have to pull something back up here because I want to ask you about this when we're talking mm-hmm. about. Um, male, gamer, intelligence, interest types. Mm-hmm. This is a quote. He played this trickster character who would scam people out of their assets. Now, before I continue, Brace, what's something that you've referred to yourself as? The trickster. The, the trickster, but go on. Just finish reading the quote. This That's like a really broad brush to tar people with i just want to be i want to be clear you're being really judgmental here he was the best the game's ever seen at doing that the charisma the intelligence the getting in and seeing how he could get to people that very much appealed to him does this this sound like someone brace yeah it sounds like joshua boyle one of the subjects of this episode this doesn't sound like me i want to be clear here this is a quote from his friend greg which is a great online gaming friend name about his character in what I believe to be a video game called Star Wars Galaxies. Because it was a he was playing some kind of Star Wars online multiplayer rolling role-playing game. And that's the one that I could most clearly identify as having come out during this period. So he's like, I guess he's like a who's the little Jew from fucking uh the, the first one, episode one? Watto. The, Watto. He's playing like a little Watto type character who's like a child slaves. And he's got the little light. Oh, how about a lightsaber for a piece of gold? How and are then you the, going into Jar Jar voice with that? He's not. It's not Jar Jar. That's Watto. 
I know, but you're God, going into a little so bit of fucking. You're so fucking judgmental, and you think you know everything, but you don't actually know everything, Liz. You don't know everything. J- Jar Jar is Rastafarian. Watto is Jewish. Those are two basically the same things in terms of how cool they are and their effects on the reggae music industry, but they're actually different in the way that they talk. Okay, so just anyways, he's playing this game and he's going around the galaxy getting his little. I don't know what you do in that video game, but I, I assume don't know that either. He, he's tricking You're being a little trickster hand. Yeah, I know, but he's <laughs> a, he's apparently a trickster here. <laughs> and so he's living in this small little Toronto apartment, oh, Toronto, uh, by himself. And a mutual friend puts him in touch with a woman named Caitlin Coleman over their ma- shared love of Star Wars. Now, the actual story of how they met is changes from various publications. Mm. All of them embarrassing, and all of them focused on a Star Warsian attraction. Um, there's also the claims that they met on a message board about Star perhaps Wars. they perhaps they met on Wikipedia. Has anyone seen if he's been editing is that Wikipedia? A thing? Wikipedia is a thing. Oh I, I, my god! That's how I found out about the Star Wars video game that he was probably playing. It was via Wait, Wikipedia. He absolutely had to be editing. Hundred percent. That is a he very overlooked part of this story. Was he on Wikipedia? I, we don't know. That is that is something. If you're a Canadian investigative wow. journalist, you, perhaps open your eyes. Do you think it was Wookie to Wiki or Wiki to Wookie? Oh, hundred percent Wiki to Wookie. He had to get his child. I mean, Wikipedia is much higher stakes because it's a smaller community, and if you lose your stature in that, mm. I mean, you might as well uh, you might as well be a, a a Gungan at the bottom of the damn ocean of Naboo. Nobody's going to respect you. You know, you'll never get into the Rebel Alliance if you. Imagine uh, the crazy shit he was posting on Wikipedia. My God. Imagine the fake torture device. Because you don't even need to attribute anything there. You'd be like, yeah, it's all made up. I don't know. Yeah. A, this one, this is a speculum for a, for a fucking uh, Jabba's pussy. <laughs> you know? People be like, I guess it's probably real. I don't know. I, didn't, I, I haven't seen all of the books or whatever, the extended universe. So he's in touch with this woman named Caitlin Coleman, and she comes out and visits him, and he gives her her first kiss. They bond over a shared love of, Liz, you're going to love this, backpacking and bondage sex. Two very different things. Two, well, I don't like either of them. So it's everything I don't like is in one category. Everything I do like is in another category. So actually they are the same thing. is a really thing. broad category. It could be just yeah. like hiking, like which to me is like, let's go for a walk. That could be a hike depending on, you know, mm-hmm. if you're, if you, you know, aren't very heart healthy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if you're comorbid. Or, you know, backpacking could be like, you know, sleeping on a bench in, uh, you know, Yugoslavia when you're 16 or something. Okay, neither of these things are backpacking. So being homeless in Yugoslavia, which is no longer a country, or taking a walk, neither of those things are backpacking. So I, I, uh, you were more confused than me. Uh, you know, for actually, once on the, this. the second one was that's a real story from a mutual friend of ours who, when she went backpacking, and well, I, got, I think it was actually in Bosnia. But oh, yeah, yeah. well, people did that when they were younger. They like went to yeah. Europe. Not yeah, me. she called it backpacking. Yeah, well, that's like I did have multiple girlfriends go to Europe and cheat on me when I was a teenager, and so they were backpacking through yeah. there, eating some baguettes. The other thing that these two are into, I have no idea what that is or 
any any clue. So we can just no move on bonded sex. Yeah, we don't need to discuss that because it comes up quite a lot later in this story. So she moves in with him right away and finds mm. herself basically treated as a maid. And you can imagine how many crumpled surge cans this guy has around his like 2007 PC, just screaming into his microphone. Oh no, I, I, that is my uh, Millennium Falcon. You can never take it from mm. me. Uh, yeah, he is, he is, he just treats her like shit, I, I guess. And the funny thing is, is you actually see this told in both directions, but it appears that she might've tried to push him on the subway tracks. And let me be real with you. If she had, we'd be avoiding a lot of problems. These people got themselves yeah. into later. Also, that's like the most based thing in this story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's the Attempting one normal thing. Attempting to kill thing. your like abuser boyfriend. Extremely based. It's like though, it's the, it's the only one and only normal thing that anyone does for the entirety yeah. of the story. So she uh, quite understandably and smartly is like, you know what? This actually sucks worse than uh, living in a small town. And she goes yeah. back there. We'll get more into her in a second because right now we have to introduce a whole new cast of characters and that would be the Cotter family. So some people might know recognize this name, Omar Khadr. He was, uh, okay, we should we should back up. Young boy living in Canada. He was taken to Afghanistan, uh, you know, when he was, I don't know, how old was he, like six, seven? I think yeah, he was pretty young. Yeah, they moved around a bunch, but I think he first went when he was like six. Yeah, his family like worked for, or his dad really worked for a bunch of NGOs that were building refugee camps and orphanages in Pakistan for Afghan refugees during the kind of Soviet-Afghan war. Yes. And his father, whose name is Ahmed Qadar, actually mm. goes pretty close to, let's say, the uh, the resistance in Afghanistan <laughs> during that period and uh, ends up becoming pretty close friends with a close friend of the show, Osama bin Laden, who <laughs> attends his one of his daughter's weddings, which we'll yes. get to her in a second. Um, and uh, And so they end up basically in Afghanistan right in possibly one of the worst times to be in a country that there's really been good times to be in yeah. right Straight, after September 11th. Chilling with Al-Qaeda. Yeah. Yes. So the Connor family is is sort of scattered. There's a bunch of siblings too. Several of them are scattered throughout Afghanistan. And uh, Omar Khadr, who's pretty young, I think he's around 15 at this time, separated from his father. He's kind of in the care of some Al-Qaeda types. And the building that he's in is targeted by the US due to a monitored satellite phone being used there. Mm. And a group of soldiers surround it. And there's a brief firefight. During this firefight, a grenade goes off. We don't know. There's never been proven who's thrown this grenade, but a grenade goes off. Yeah, I'm using the passive voice there because we don't know who threw the grenade. And it killed a U.S. Delta Force soldier named Christopher Spear, who, by the way, not wearing a helmet. I mean, I think the U.S. threw it. Let's come on. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes I'll be real with you. Sometimes these things just go off. It's like uh, there's just a little pin there. You, th you take the pin off, the thing can go off at any point. It's a hectic situation. A grenade goes off. And I'll be real. If you're getting shot, it's okay to throw a grenade. You have my full permission. Anyone out there is getting yeah, shot. If you're getting shot, you got, you know, whatever you've got on your person, mm -hmm. throw it. That's Stand your I ground. Say. Stand your ground. Exactly. Throw your stuff at them. He's just trying to like, it's like pepper spray. Anyways, it, the, the grenade goes off. It kills this Delta Force guy who is a medic, which becomes important during a sham trial that is about mm -hmm. to happen very soon in this story. 
And uh, and I think blinds another soldier. Um, Cotter is shot twice in the back, and I've looked at pictures of him after he got shot, and they are fucking. Gr- he looks dead in then. I mean, yeah. I've seen a lot of people who've been shot, um, and he looks worse than many people I've seen that died from being shot. And so it's it's like a pretty brutal thing. Uh, lying in the ground, he's basically saying in English, "Just kill me now." Uh, that does not happen. He is taken to Bagram Air Force Base, and there is—I mean, it's kind of a lengthy little thing from a um, defense's motion, his his defense counsel's uh, motion to suppress a bunch of his statements he made. But I'll read a little bit of it. Uh, Interrogator number one was the lead interrogator for the accused, while the accused was at Bagram Detention Center. Accused, of course, being Omar Khadr. He interrogated the accused twenty to twenty-five times. He always interrogated the accused in interrogation technique, or excuse me, room. Uh, he used a fear up technique as a last resort with the accused. It is a technique used to attempt the, to raise the fear level of the detainee. He at times used a harsh voice and blah, blah, blah. It goes on, but basically it, it describes a guy screaming at him. And, uh, and at the end of it, it says during one of the interrogations, interrogator number one was told the, told the accused a fictitious story about a detainee, an Afghan male who lied to interrogators and was sent to a U.S. prison for lying, which is, by the way, lying's not a crime. It's totally okay to lie. There were, quote, big black guys in the prison. The Afghan male was a kid away from home who they could not protect. The Afghan, Afghan male got hurt when the, quote, big black guys raped him in the showers. The fictitious story was unsuccessful in obtaining, obtaining information from the accused. So basically, this guy gets shot twice, taken to an Air Force base, held an interrogation room and then like a a human being comes in there and it's like, Hey, we're going to have black people rape you unless you tell us everything that we want to know, which this is a 15 year old kid. He doesn't know shit. Yeah. Not to mention that that is also called, that's a technique called fear up, Mm -hmm. which is just one of the worst names I've ever heard for a torture technique. Well, fellas, if you're ever in a, uh, in a argument with your girlfriend, it's good to use the fear up technique. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. It's like, yo, let's try fear up. It's but like- it's also insane that one of the U.S.'s like official techniques is being like, yeah, you're going to get raped by black people. Yeah, it's insane. What if you're like a black guard there and you're like, wait... Well, additionally, they tortured him by the kind of regular methods, the mm-hmm. tried and true U.S. methods, which are, you know, uh, rabid dogs, the, you know, the famous hood over the head, waterboarding, all the kind of like classic, horrific human rights violations, torture, um, you know, real sick shit. It's which is uh, also totally okay to do on a fifteen-year-old kid. He gets yeah. sent to Guantanamo Bay, uh, which is a uh, the uh, in the capitalist part of Cuba, and is put eventually put on trial and convicted of war crimes. He's actually the youngest Amer or excuse me, not American. He's the youngest com- combatant convicted of war crimes. I think even tried for uh, for war crimes since World War II. The thing is, that guy that died from the grenade, Christopher Spear, was a medic. Now he wasn't acting as a medic. He was not identified as a medic, but he was trained as a medic. So he is accused of and convicted of. Killing a medic, essentially on purpose, which is a war crime. Um, He pled guilty, although he later reversed himself, and he's there for 13 years. Tortured, tortured, tortured. Finally released in 2015, and the Canadian government eventually gives him $10 million in restitutional money. Of course, his father was killed. His brother um, 
was captured by the Northern Alliance shortly after Omar was, and then arrested and turned uh, turned into an agent by the CIA and put into Guantanamo Bay by the CIA and used as an informant for them, which is just, I mean, it, what an incredible family they got. Well, here's the thing, because his sister marries mm-hmm. Joshua Boyle. Yes. <laughs> so again, you know, backtrack, this is obviously long before Omar Carter gets out of prison, uh, Zainab Khadr, who is still living in Canada, this is this is Omar's sister, was cr- like crusading really hard for her yeah. brother's release. And Joshua sees her, I guess, on TV. Yeah, maybe she's all over Wikipedia. the media. She's like, she's like, you know, she's the one, like, you know, uh, the the rallying cry for like freeing her brother. She's like the public face of this huge campaign, and. Joshua, okay, look, we mentioned he's been editing all these Wikipedia articles about yes. Al-Qaeda. He's been, he's like fucking obsessed with the Taliban, with Al-Qaeda, with mm-hmm. September 11th, which, you know, that's also, that's, maybe that's fine. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not here to judge. Well, we um, should probably say that's fine. We don't yeah. want to cast aspersions, aspersions on ourselves. Well, that's true. But- so he like, I don't know. He, yeah, he maybe he sees her on TV. Maybe he sees her in the papers. And he's like, I got to charm this lady. Like, I'll be real. This Zainab, she's kind of fire. That's what he said. That's yeah. a direct quote from him that I got <laughs> that none of you can see. He said she's kind of fire. So he 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 pursues her and he gets her. I have no, there are very few, if any, details on how this romance took place. But he actually marries Zainab, which well, is yeah. wild. He is the trickster. Yes. Well, at first she thinks he's a spy because she's told by some of their mutual friends, which I guess they have, that he had wanted to join the Canadian intelligence services. But you know what? She falls for his Wikipedian charms and eventually marries him. This is her third marriage. Now, this is literally to like a – like. I mean, just like a nerd in Canada, he's a overweight guy who seems like he has poor personal hygiene and spends 100% of his time on the internet. Um, Her previous marriage, the one right before this, was attended by Osama bin Laden. So she's she's on a downward spiral here. Well, their marriage doesn't last very long. No. No, they get a divorce after two years. And at that point, Joshua reconnects with Caitlin Coleman. So, Liz, tell us a little bit about Caitlin here. Well, we mentioned that she was American. She's from mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. She's actually from a place called Stewartstown, which is really, really tiny town. You know, tiny town, much like Joshua's from a tiny town. Mm-hmm. Uh, tiny, tiny town at the southern part, like less than 3,000 people. She was a devout Catholic. She was mm-hmm. um, kind of like focusing on raising money for other people in in uh, in other countries. You know, like uh, kind of like mission missionary work, like in Haiti or in you know less developed countries. Like very like church, like very involved in her local church. I mean, this is like mm-hmm. small town girl, like real yeah. small town girl, small town religious girl. Um, she was working at Quiznos. Mm-hmm. And that's when she met Joshua Boyle. So they have their brief little fling. Mm. He gets together with Zaneb Zaneb Cotter. <laughs> they divorce, and then he's like, "Damn, 
oh, I really fucked that up. I got to go back through the Rolodex and uh, get back with Caitlin. Mm. She is okay with it. Yeah, she's a small town girl. Yeah. This was so her they, first kiss. Like I know. She, I think she, you know, she's she's got some real feelings for the guy. Which is insane to me. Mm. But they go backpacking again uh, out to Costa Rica. And this is around 2011. They get married there. Mm-hmm. But their relationship is abusive basically from the get-go because Boyle starts telling her how she's got to dress, how she's got to speak, how she's got to act. He becomes very, very, very tightly controlling in an incredibly short amount of time. And he also gets her pregnant. Yes. So they're married. She's pregnant. And they decide to go on – even though they got married in Costa Rica, they decide to go on a honeymoon after that, which seems – I'm like – how do these people get this much money? Well, their honeymoon is going backpacking through Central Asia. Yes. While is, uh, she's pregnant. And not just like a little pregnant. She's like many months pregnant. Yeah. It's like, so it's really confusing in the timeline here. I was like real focused on this because I was trying to figure out. I'm like, if you're pregnant, the last thing you want to do is go backpacking through Central Asia. Yeah, I don't think you should really go backpacking at all through like maybe undeveloped or less developed countries. Like I think that's just a bad idea if you're pregnant. Well, it's interesting because she didn't she hadn't told any of her family that she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Now, usually, you know, you, you know, if you're if you're not telling people you're pregnant, it's usually like within the first trimester, usually like 2 months, maybe 3 months if you're being really careful in case of a miscarriage, right? Yeah. But I don't I have a feeling she didn't tell people she was pregnant because she wanted to go backpacking through Central Asia. Yeah, I feel like that that I mean so her parents were already kind of against it because they knew that her husband had been previously been married to somebody who was very well connected with the Taliban and were like that's an interesting place for him to insist that you guys go backpacking. Boyle says, "No, no, 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 no. Uh, Miss Mr. Caitlin Coleman's father, I think his name is Jim." Believe me, we're not going to go to Afghanistan. Who even cares about Afghanistan? I want to see Kazakhstan, man. Like, that's the place I want to go. I want to ride a horse on the plains. I think there was like a direct quote where they're like, we're going to the safe stands. Yes. Like, don't don't worry about it. We would never dream of going to Afghanistan. Uh, Once they get to Central Asia, it becomes very clear that Josh is like, we're going to Afghanistan. Yeah. And he, I mean, listen, I can't get into the mindset of this lady. I don't know what she was thinking, but he's like, oh, we'll just dip. She, the way she makes it sound, he convinced her by saying, we'll just dip in for a couple of days. Okay, ladies. You if sound like man, the US. If your man is saying we're going to just dip into Afghanistan, don't believe him. I'll be real. If your man is saying we're just going to dip in anywhere. If your man is using the phrase dip in, he's lying to you. Yeah. In any context. So they end up in Kabul. They're like mm. tooling around. The year is 2012. I want to be clear. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's 2012. They're in Kabul. They're kind of like talking to, they're like meeting people on the on the like dusty road and seeing people at the market. And they're telling people like, oh, we're just like walking around exploring Afghanistan. We're American and Canadian. We're a newly married couple. Like they're like yelling out their plans which by the way if you're in an area or in a place that's like you know 
in the middle of a war, a little destabilized, not a great place to be in. The last thing you want to do is start yelling and shouting your plans to strangers so other people could overhear them and be like, man, these guys don't really know what they're doing. I'll go for a little further than that. If you're in a kidnap type zone in the first place, just keep your plans to yourself. You know, if you're in a country where people routinely get kidnapped and held for ransom or sometimes held for just quite a long period of time, you know, uh, prisoner swaps and stuff like that, just don't tell any old person that you meet what you're doing there. I think that's generally uh, uh, would be would be pretty sound advice if you go into a place like that. They do not take my advice, which I'm giving them uh, uh, one decade later, but they should go back to the future and and hear this right now because this would have served them well. Uh, on October 10th, 2012, they hire a taxi on the outskirts of the city and start heading south straight into Taliban territory. So just after an hour, uh, they pass through the Wardak province and they mm -hmm. get stopped by a bunch of masked gunmen who make the driver get in the trunk and they like take over the car. Yeah. This now, is, it by the way, this is them straight up getting kidnapped. Yes, a hundred percent. I mean, you generally don't want your car stopped by a masked gunman anywhere in the world, uh, let alone on the side of the road in Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, to get into Josh's mindset a little bit here, he clearly went there to either join the Taliban or help them in some way. Something that he was, he had this obsession with the Taliban that he really wanted to see made into reality. Uh, he does not get kidnapped by the Taliban. He gets kidnapped by literally just some like criminals yeah. there. Like some just guys on the side of the road with some guns who somebody had tipped off. And they start shopping him and Caitlin around as hostages and try to sell them. Yeah. Now, Boyle later says that they first tried to sell them to the Taliban. And the ta Taliban was straight up like, no, we're good, man. Like, yeah, I don't want this guy. We don't, we don't want any part of this, which must have been a fucking blow to Joshua's ego, by the way. Yeah, because Joshua's like, well, I mean, I was actually married to, to Zainab Qadr, and her dad like worked here, and her brother like got arrested, and the guy, Taliban guy's like, damn, that's crazy. Um, you know, I wish you best of luck, but like, we're, we're still not going to buy you. Like, and dude, this dude has been obsessed with these guys yeah. for like a decade and not interested. And it's so funny because can contrast that with like Omar Khadr's story, who's like kind of just like ends up in the wrong place at the wrong time and becomes this like sort of like big deal figure in the movement, even though he doesn't want to be. I mean, he he himself, because interviews is like, that's not me. I'm just like wrong place, wrong time. And Joshua Boyle is trying so hard to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And it still doesn't work out for him in the way that he thinks it's going to. No. These criminals keep shopping them around. And about a week later, someone bites the Haqqani Network. Now, Brace, we got to talk about these guys. Who is the Haqqani Network? So I, we talked about them a little bit in the 9-11 series, but mm -hmm. they were started by Jalaluddin Haqqani during the Afghan-Soviet War. Jalaluddin became a pretty notorious and big-time warlord. I mean, he was one of the major forces during the war. He was uh, closely linked to the Taliban, but also really closely linked to the CIA. He was, in essence, like a CIA Asset, asset. I guess I would you would say, um, but he was you know he received a lot of arms, Stinger missiles. There's a sort of famous photo that's supposed to be him at the White House, but it's actually leader of the coalition to which the Haqqani Network belonged at the time. Uh, Charlie Wilson uh, called him goodness personified. Yes, Tom Hanks mm -hmm. um, called him goodness personified. Have you seen that movie by no, the way? No. What? 
Is it really just like about how cool it was to it. give them Stinger missiles? It's, it seems astounding to me. I haven't seen it. So he became close friends with Osama bin Laden during the Afghan-Soviet War and was pretty instrumental in cementing al-Qaeda in, uh, in Afghanistan. During the CIA, or excuse me, the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan, he reaches out to his CIA contacts to sort of put out peace feelers. Uh, they essentially say no. Uh, they arrest his brother. They hold him for nine months. That really fucks up their relationship. And he essentially throws in his lot full on with the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. Um, the Americans later slaughter a huge amount of his family. Uh, he eventually himself dies, I believe, of natural causes in 2018. And his son takes over. But the thing about the Connie Network is they are almost more than any group operating in Afghanistan, an arm of the Pakistani intelligence yes. services, the ISI, the Inner yeah, Service yeah, yeah. Intelligence. So they are fully controlled by Pakistani intelligence, and they purchase Joshua Boyle and Caitlin Coleman. Yeah, they're basically the muscle for the ISI. Yeah. In certain think, regions, like in the like Pakistan-Afghan like border, right? The kind of like tribal area, borderland, mm-hmm. right there on the edge. So... Around late September, early October, back in Pennsylvania, Caitlin's family is starting to get worried because they haven't heard from her in a minute. She had actually been pretty good. I mean, this is so Caitlin. She had been pretty good about keeping in contact while, you know, they were abroad. She'd be like, oh, yeah, we're like, we saw this like such this like really cute cat at this hostel. Mm -hmm. It was like so cute. And, oh, we're doing such good work. And the countryside is so romantic and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I just like still don't worry. We're not going to Afghanistan. We're good. Like, we'll be home soon. Blah, 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 blah. Then October 8th, 2012, so just a couple mm-hmm. days before their taxi ride down into the south, Josh, this fucking douchebag, sends an email to Caitlin's parents, and he's like, we're in Afghanistan, we're in an unsafe place. Yes. Which is like not an email you want to see. Also, why is your husband emailing your parents? I don't know. The That's next weird. day, they take out a bunch of money from their bank account for the last time, and then they're kidnapped by the masked bandit. Now, when the Haqqanis take them off the kidnappers' hands, they tell them, they tell Caitlin and Josh that we're going to go to Miranshah, which is like rural Pakistan. Again, the tribal areas up in the kind of like up in the mountains on the border between Pakistan and Afghanistan. And this is like the Haqqani home base. Now, if Joshua didn't know who they were, he fucking knew who they were now. Yes. Because when he hears Mirren Shah, he's like, uh, uh, wh- why don't we just go to Kandahar? That would be cool. I think we should go to Kandahar. Like, seemingly not understanding that he's being kidnapped by the fucking Pakistani intelligence, like, mob squad. It's not a good situation for them. I mean, this guy's totally in over his head. I, I, and you can almost see, like, his, his idea of what he thought was going to happen. He thought he was going to take his wife out there. They were either going to live with the Taliban he would, you know, or, or help them in some way, that he would understand them more, and he'd have this beautiful adventure. But reality, and especially the realities of politics in this area of the world, is often very different than what people fantasize that they are. Yes. And so he is... They are taken to a series of different um, safe houses, essentially. They get separated. They're sleeping on cold concrete floors. She is pregnant, by the way. He is being tortured by being hung up and like beaten. Uh, it is it is your worst fucking nightmare of like getting captured while your wife is pregnant 
by a, um, let's say, a less than savory criminal organization. Yeah, he basically, he decides that his best course of action is to become ungovernable mm-hmm. and just like, it's like, I'm going to annoy the shit out of everybody. Yeah. And he starts going like full on. Like, Jazz mode. Like he's going, he's, my man is going loco. He's like waking up at sunrise and being like, why aren't you guys praying? Thought you were Islamic. Wow. That's so weird. You said you were Islamic, but you're like not getting up to pray at sunrise. Wow. Like what the fuck? I mean, uh, he would like start yelling Alu Akbar at them. <laughs> like the man has gone rogue. Yeah. Like, can you imagine being some guy who's just like, you're in the Akani network. I mean, these guards are like drinking and stuff. Like you're basically just like a gangster who's trying to sell this guy or like ransom him. And this motherfucker's waking up at like 5 a.m. to yell Alu Akbar at you. (laughs) I'm beating him with a rifle butt. I'm sorry. This is ridiculous. That's a ridiculous thing to do. He starts being like, you need to get an Islamic. I mean, this is the most Reddit shit ever. He's, He's like demanding that they get an Islamic judge in there to declare their captivity invalid under Sharia law. He's like, this is not, this is, this is Haram. Like you cannot fucking do this. They're just like, shut up, shut up. You're so annoying. Shut up, shut up, shut up. You're in this, you're in the cell. You don't get to tell us what to do. Yeah, everyone's real sick of his shit. He, like, I, I, it seems that he, around this time, converts to Islam, by the way. It's it's really unclear as to when he actually could. I would assume he did it when he was married to Zainab. That's what I would think. It doesn't, like, there's no indication that he was prior to this. And mm. so, like, it's unclear. I mean, it's really unclear if he ever actually, like, a quote, officially converted. But, like, he definitely, I mean, in his time in captivity, he definitely becomes um, whatever his version of what he thinks uh, Muslim is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, with the zeal of the co- convert zeal, he is just so fucking annoying. And so eventually a guy named Mahmoud arrives, which is always a good sign. Yeah, that's a friendly name. Yeah. Uh, he's nice to the prisoners. And again, this time it's May 2013. So they've been here for seven months. And by the way, Caitlin has had her baby. Yes. Yeah, she gave birth about five months ago in captivity to their first son. Spoiler first. Najishi? Yes. Najishi. Yeah. Um, but Mahmoud gives them like a little house. With a door. I mean, it's a one-room house, but mm-hmm. this little house, a little door. They have like a little fenced-off area outside. And so they're like, okay, this is a lot better. Um, you know, it's a lot better than like the Haqqani Network guys are like, we don't want to fucking deal with this annoying, annoying freak. Yeah. Mahmood is lovely. They give him a little house. They're like having like a decent time with the little family until Pakistan launches Operation Zarb-e-Azeb. Which mm-hmm. is like this huge, huge um, like airstrike campaign targeting basically a bunch of militant groups like the Haqqanis in that same northwest region, again, along the Afghanistan-Pakistan border. So they've got these like massive airstrikes going on, these ground raids happening because they're trying to like clamp down on a bunch of terrorist attacks. And they're sort of like trying to bit a, put a big show on like, no, we're Pakistan. Of course we take terrorism mm-hmm. seriously. Like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, and so the Haqqanis, they had, you know, an advance warning, obviously, because they're 
part of the ISI, basically. And so they're like, we got to get the fuck out of here. And they're basically on the run. They grab Joshua and Caitlin and the baby. And now this, now the family's on the run for, I don't know, basically the next year and a half. Yes. And I got to say, if being a prisoner at Mahmoud's house sucks, which that did suck. I mean, it was better than their previous It was like conditions. the better suck. Exactly. Yeah. Being a prisoner on the run and having to go from like safe house to safe house sucks major fucking balls and ass. I mean, they are they are they're going from like they're 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 jumping from house to house. The real estate market right now in the tribal areas of Pakistan is going crazy. I mean, they're having to move every two months. Yeah. Um at one point they get well, I don't want to say they get. Caitlin gets pregnant again. Yes. Um the captors insist – this is according to Caitlin and Joshua. The captors insist on an abortion. Uh, Boyle and Coleman say no, and they are allegedly or they claim to have been dosed with abortion inducement pills in honey, and she miscarries. Mm. Um, I imagine there's also quite a bit of stress there that could also possibly um, – induce a miscarriage i don't know the talent the, or not, the hakanis for their part absolutely deny this like they actually flat out deny this i don't know if i believe them i'm just mm-hmm. saying that they denied it um after the miscarriage Boyle gets more pissed off and he starts berating the commander so much that uh the commander has his men rape uh caitlin coleman and so their conditions are not great. They're basically locked in a room for almost the entirety of the day. Uh, the child ba- almost never sees the sunlight. And in these conditions, even after they had had the miscarriage uh, possibly induced by their captors, they decide to uh, try for another pregnancy, and they eventually do give birth to another child whose name, frankly, Liz, I refuse to pronounce. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to pronounce this. Daquan? 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 D H A K W and then one of those like the O E the O E but it's the yeah. same letter and yeah they're they're real close to each other so Daquan Noah Noah I know Noah I know I get that one that's the that's the little fellow with the whale right that's Jonah I think <laughs> that's Jonah <laughs> yeah, that's Jonah my bad uh, sorry uh, it's you know that's all that stuff's all just you can I mean that's that's just how you pronounce Jonah where I come from. Um, in 2016, the family is moved back to Marantia and, uh, things start improving slightly for them. Yeah. Caitlin, uh, becomes pregnant again. Mm-hmm. They have a third child, May the Grace. This is getting a little excessive with the kids here, I feel like. Well, you've got like a Catholic and a Mennonite, like, I don't know. I mean, there's going to yeah, be a lot true. of kids. There's, and yeah. they're like literally in rural Pakistan. I mean, there's yeah. going to be a lot of kids. There's going to be a very fertile area. This guy, I mean, this is like, he is a very return to tradition dude. Yes. He yes. tried to kidnap, take his family and like to fucking go join the Taliban. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I guess he is a bit of a traditionalist. He's he's orthodox, <sighs> let's say. Um, there's, at this point, there's been some periodic uh, proof of life videos released. And these are met with rather mixed reactions back home. Because Joshua had actually become slightly prominent for his marriage to Zainab. Um, someone had apparently fired shots at his parents' house. Uh, he was on TV. You know, he was he served as the spokesman for the family for a little bit. And so I think a lot of people were like, wait, this guy was clearly just trying to join the Taliban, right? Yeah. 
I gotta be um, real. It seems like that. I, I, yeah. I guess I really think I, he was trying to join the Taliban. I mean, I, I can think of no other actual reason to do what he did other than to just jo- either join or go hang out with the Taliban at the very least. Even just to be like, hello, fellow Wikipedians. Actually, this is incorrect. And I can say this from my lived experience. Oh my God. Um, the videos are, I mean, proof of life videos. Listen, proof of life videos are never a joy to watch. You never be, want to spend your afternoon watching a series of – there's no like proof-of-life video compilations on YouTube with a bunch of like crying, laughing emojis after that. Um, they're generally fairly dismal affairs, and theirs are no different than what you're imagining. Um, he writes letters to his parents, including one uh, in which he says, Warren Zevon was a poser, presumably referencing the song Lawyers, Guns, and Money. This shit has hit the fan. Uh, and the 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 demands uh, that are made in that that song for lawyers, guns, and money. Now, here's the thing, Joshua. You were in no position to have your problem solved by lawyers, guns, or money. Actually, you kind of are, but no one's paying. And uh, frankly, Zevon is a much better rock and roller than you could ever, ever, ever dream of being. And if I catch you editing his fucking Wikipedia page, I will go to Canada and I will strike you down where you stand. Anyways, ISI agents, by the way, are also dropping in on them and like visiting them during yeah. all this. Well, because so in the in August of 2017, which really was not that long ago, mm-hmm. Trump made this whole big thing accusing Pakistan of harboring terrorists. Yeah. Which, you know, fair enough, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Pakistan is like, what? Us? No, uh, no way. And so an ISI agent like shows up at Josh and Caitlin's and is like, Well, we I think we might let you go because Trump is making this huge thing and it's probably not good for the brand. So it's time we let you go. Yeah. So the the guy says, Listen, it's August right now. In October, October 10th, which is also almost five years to the day after they've been captured, we're letting you guys go, okay? So we're just getting that ready, getting that all sorted out. So just sit tight for a couple of months. You're getting out of here in October. So on October 11th, they're bundled into a luxury SUV and they're driven down the mountains. So they're kind of, they're blindfolded. There's there's something like reason they can't really see outside, but Joshua says that like either through his blindfold or through whatever little device that they're in, he can see that they're actually passing into like a city type area. They're stopped at a checkpoint. Now I have been stopped at several checkpoints in my life. Um, when I was returning from, uh, from uh, the, a country next to Iraq, to go to Suleimani in Iraq, um, my car was stopped at a checkpoint where, and we were like, okay, we're getting arrested because we had overstayed our visas and uh, a bunch of other people who were doing exactly what we did had been arrested and they were in jail. They let us go. But let me tell you, getting stopped at a checkpoint is one of the fucking most annoying, scariest things you can go through. You don't want to do that, especially when you're maybe doing something that's maybe a little not cool. So the captors are getting a little spooked. And uh, the the driver gets out of the car. The other guys in the car starts getting jittery, and they're like, "We gotta fucking kill these people! Like we're fucked. We cannot get caught with them in the car." Uh, guns start going off. Bullets are flying around. One of the other members of the car gets, or one of the other like passengers of the car gets in the driver's seat and starts cha- taking off. They're in a car chase, and according to the Pakistani army. I don't know if this is the truth because they're not the most uh, trustworthy institution. They shoot out the tires 
The car comes to a halt and the guys in the car take off fleeing. And our family is rescued. So the Pakistani military takes them to Islamabad, where they release a 10-minute video that is a joy to watch that only has Joshua talking. So in previous videos, Proof of Life videos, Caitlin spoke sometimes too. Mm. In this one, her head is down. She's just like tending to the babies. And Joshua stares and in an accent, which is just incredible, like in a full-on like- Which is, that is so weird. I'm sorry. That is so weird. Why does he have an accent? He's a grown man. Why would he adopt that? Well, did you ever know people? Uh, this was a big thing when I was younger. It's like people would go to like Ireland for like a couple months and they come back like with yeah, like milk. Yeah. yeah, that was it. But I mean, there this was guy's this a really annoying girl in San Francisco who did like a semester, a semester abroad in England and came back no. with a British accent. No, oh my god, it was so common. She dressed like so mod too. Oh my god, it was so annoying. Jesus Christ! It's always was so funny to me when people were dressed as like mods in like 2012. It's like. Oh my God, that was such what a moment. You, it was such a moment there. Vespas, remember? Yeah. That was like a big thing. When people ride all their vest, that was, you can never get me on one of those things. Um, He's speaking in just this incredible accent. He thanks Pakistan like really deeply from the bottom of his heart. And then Trump gives a speech in Pennsylvania, I think that day, where he says, something, ha- I can't do his voice, so I'm not even going to try. But he said, something happened today where a country that totally disrespected us called us with some very, very important news. And one of my generals came in. They said, you know, I have to tell you, a year ago, they never would have done it. It was a great sign of respect. You'll probably be hearing about it over the next few days. But this is a country that did not respect us. This is a country that respects us now. The world is starting to respect us again. Believe me. So. Classic Trump. At one point, the U.S. military tries to get them to come on a, I think it's like a SEAL team, tries to get them to come on like a helicopter to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And Joshua's like, fairly smartly, is like, we're not getting on that fucking helicopter. Absolutely not. We're going to Canada. We're not going to America because he thinks he's going to get arrested. Mm. Uh, so they go to the Canada High Commission and they catch a flight back to Canada from Pakistan and make their return. So this is the crazy thing because they give like an insane amount of media interviews after returning, which is not typical. Um like most kidnapping victims, it's it's just really unusual for kidnapping victims, especially like overseas kidnapping <laughs> victims, to immediately speak to the press. Um, usually it takes almost years because people are working with therapists or working through like trauma, um, uh, you know, like s- just working through so much stuff that yeah. the last thing they want to do is uh, like they physically cannot even speak publicly about what happened to them. And Josh is like, Give me the camera. Give me the news. Put me in front. I'm ready. Uh, let's. It's go time. Yeah, I it's mean, he, he weird. No time doing this, Caitlin. And it's funny too because many journalists note that when Caitlin is as gives interviews, she is basically commanded at every single point by Joshua. I mean, it's like he's speaking through her. He demands that she like everything that she's doing is according to his directives. Um, they go and stay at Joshua's uh, parents' house in Smith Falls, which I can only imagine what that was like. Like the first dinner back with your little, I don't know, your chicken and gravy there. It's like, so uh, nice to meet your children that you had in Pakistan when you were kidnapped by the Haqqani oh Network. 
Uh, and then they move to Ontario. And uh, at this some point, Joshua meets with Trudeau. This is only during about a month and a half, this entire time period that we're talking about here. And on December 30th, Joshua Boyle is arrested after calling 911 and telling them that his wife has BPD. He actually says that. He says that she has borderline personality disorder and she's suicidal. She, meanwhile, has actually escaped their apartment and is with her mom at a hotel room where she calls the police and uh, basically fills them in on what Joshua has been doing. And so instead of her getting 5150 or whatever the Canadian equivalent of that is, he is actually arrested and I believe with 19 charges ranging from rape to kidnapping. So this guy's been free for less than two months from five years of imprisonment by the Haqqani Network. And now he is in jail in Canada for a insane amount of charges. So Coleman returns to the house after staying with her mother and collects all of his BDSM gear. He's in jail at this point, puts it in a bag and gives it to the police. And Liz, are you looking at this picture? Yeah. I don't, I it really is, don't like this. Yeah. It is fucking nasty. So, I mean, what do we got here? I'm not going to make you identify it. No, I feel you can like do it's it. rude. There's a bunch of whips. There's a ton of clamps, like real clamps that would you would use in like carpentry, ropes and shoelaces, collars, bungee cords, mouse traps, electric fly swatter, various sex toys that I can't really figure out names for or uses for, clothespins, uh, heavy sleep masks, toe handcuffs, or finger handcuffs, I guess, but I don't know how that would work. Um just a, and a bunch of shit that I don't even know what it is. Rulers. Um, sh- this is, by the way, all stuff that she assembled and said that he used. This is not stuff that the cops are just going through. They're like, oh, did he maybe use this? This is stuff that she was like, no, this is what he used. Um, all in all, again, he faced 19 charges. And the trial is a fucking sordid story and a lot more details that he declined to actually give in his original interviews about their confinement in in Afghanistan and Pakistan come out, and they are disgusting. Well, during the trial, and actually right after she sort of escapes from him, she actually starts speaking to the media, and a lot more details come out of her ordeal in uh, in captivity with the Haqqani network and him. And she flat out says that he was worse than her captors were. Um, he commanded her constantly. He at one point made her live in a bathroom stall in when they were when they were in confinement. Now this is not back in America. This is in Pakistan. Mm. Made her live in a bathroom stall, refused to let her make eye contact with him and uh, constantly tried to force her to have anal sex. Like He was essentially trying to do, and I mean, not essentially, he was full on trying to engage her in a really severe and harsh BDSM relationship while in um, confinement by the Haqqani Network, while being kidnapped. He had this list for her that um, was submitted as evidence that was like detailed all of the things that she had to do, including like, from it looks like uh December 27th through uh February 28th 
uh, a list. It's like there's a bunch of dates. It goes like week by week. And then a column that says should be. And it starts with 137.4 and it ends at 115.0. The next column says over. The the Basically, he's saying this is what your weight should be starting now. And by uh, February 28th, it'll be 115. He ha- So he's like, planning out this whole like this is your diet this is everything that you kind of have to do she has a list you must start uh reversing breakfast and dinner sleep nude you must start writing down your own calories school must start at eight and be done by 10 children must pray and eat and make beds before eight both boys must substantially help cook one meal a day you must fill out checklist daily for heavy exercise you must take only cold showers for stamina, self-control, also hair. Interesting. You must plan interesting sex minimum twice a week. You must comb all your hair daily. You must put it up uh, or similar. You must ask for chastising every time you think you have failed. I mean, just like this is like disgusting, disgusting shit. Yeah. I mean, it is. It is. I, I fully believe her when she says this is worse than what the Hakanias did because this is like – the most I can't I cannot I mean this is just in so insanely controlling that like it almost boggles the mind. Um, you know when she failed at things that were on this list, she was spanked, and he made a point of allowing her to sometimes choose what she was spanked with. Um, that he could that that he was like giving her that sort of leeway yeah, and that freedom to choose tactic. Um, and uh, she says that he also did this stuff while they were in captivity as well. I mean this is so this list is from after they got back, but. It is just like he his constant demand for anal sex from her. He would tie her up and then he would go to sleep and leave her tied up, which is she was able to undo the knots uh, when he did that and actually like, you know, get out of the tie. But like he I mean, he didn't want her to. That wasn't his intention. Um, I mean, it was just a detailed and long list of abuse that this guy put her through. And this just like he 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 essentially extended her confinement from the Hakanis back to Canada, you know, and he, he, what he was doing was promising, like everything that you went through is actually just going to get worse because now nobody is controlling me. Now I'm just controlling you. Um, at one point during this trial, the lawyers from both sides have a long, long closed off session about what questions would be allowed to be asked of Caitlin about her sexual experiences. And so during this period, she actually gives some media interviews, which you're not supposed to do during a trial. Um, I think her lawyer at one point is going to quit because of it. He eventually comes back on and the case lasts for about a year. Um, the defense argues everything was consensual and Boyle actually eventually takes the stand in September. Um, so this is almost a, 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 you know, this is about 10 months after his arrest and says that he was the victim, that Caitlin's an emotional terrorist and that she's a neglectful mother and just this piece of shit. And then in December of 2019, almost a year after their arrest, the judge reads a three hour statement saying that the case was dismissed because I do not believe her talking about Caitlin, just as I do not believe Mr. Boyle. I know disaster, fucking disaster. So after that, and keep in mind, this is 2019, and actually right before um, the the Wuhan super flu ravages the Western world, um, they just go back home. You know, he he he's still living in Ontario, I believe, and she is back in Pennsylvania with her parents. And uh, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like these two people, 
They met over a mutual love of Star Wars, backpacking, and bonded sex. And then they ended up all of these years later, about, I mean, 12 years later, at the conclusion of a court case over whether he was torturing her after their five-year ordeal of being kidnapped by the Haqqani Network. It just goes to show you should really never, never, ever meet somebody online and then go to Afghanistan with them. There's a few life lessons here. I mean, again, like I was saying, there's no great political under thing underpinning this. Um, but there's a few life lessons, I think, to learn from this. One of which is if a guy is obsessed with the Taliban and he asks you to go backpacking in every country that is bordering the only place in the world where the Taliban are, I would not believe him when he says that you're not going to go hang out with the Taliban. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, he's lying to you. Yeah, and so I, I think this is just a cautionary tale um, about maybe using some uh, willpower, I guess, to just say, you know what, I'm six months pregnant. Let's not go to Afghanistan. And if a guy is really into editing Wikipedia. Ladies, beware. <laughs> well, with that being said, Misa Jalaladin Hakani. Oh my God, I forgot about it. Mm-hmm. You did, but it's back. Liz, say it. Misa. Misa. Misa Liz. Yes. And Hisa Young Chomsky, uh, uh, who's, uh, who's uh, uh, pod racing, the producer of this pod race. Now this is pod racing. And uh, the, the podcast is called True and On. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Jeff, 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 Jeff,